to the sixth episode in our first series of the So Abfab podcast. I'm Ali and I run Bobbin's Sewing School and my co-host is Caroline of the sewing business So Abfab. Hello Caroline. Hi Ali. Hello everybody. So in our podcast we introduce you to guests that are integral to home sewing or have connections to the sewing industry. Many of our guests have small to medium-sized sewing-related businesses and all provide necessary resources and products to help you as sewers. Oh, so Caroline, I hope you're well today. I'm good, thank you. How about you? Yeah, I'm fine. I've had a funny old week. You know how you have those weeks where you procrastinate? You've got a list of things to do. And And the list gets longer because you're putting it all off. I know, I know. I feel like I'm like that little cartoon character. If you were like looking at me, it would be like there'd be me sort of like two little me's actually. There'd be me stood on the edge of a cliff with a list of things in front of me and another one behind kicking me saying, come on, get on with it. <laughs> I I um, follow a, a lady who does branding and websites and um, all of that sort on social media. And she did a brilliant post on it. Did and she was saying, sometimes we make these jobs too huge. And so we look at them and think, oh my goodness, we can't do it. So the example she used was they're renovating a house. And if she put on her to-do list, renovate house, she'd never do it. But by breaking each task down into smaller pieces, it's manageable. So instead of saying renovate the house, she broke it down to remove wardrobes. So she knew on that day, all she had to do was get her, all she had to do, but all she had to do was get her tools out and do that small task and she said you need to apply that to your social media posts to your website you know if you say oh I want to overhaul my website that's massive but if you think oh I'm going to change the color on my branding that's doable in an hour and a half chunk yeah that's true actually that's true maybe I should do that yeah yeah it's just just lots of lots of jobs that you know are not difficult to do it's just sitting there thinking I've got to do that but why am yeah. I not doing it you know it's, and, it's... and do you find that with when you've got a list like that and you've got 110 things you want to be doing and you also want to do something for yourself that your not creativity but everything goes out the window oh gosh yeah yeah no yeah. I can't think I can't no. think and, and I can't I can't um I lose all yeah absolutely creativity yeah. all imagination goes <laughs> It's, yeah and I, yeah. and I you know what I'm like Ali I'm like to be organized and an organizational freak and I find if I've got all that going on in my brain mm. I can't organize it so I find it easier to write a, a list of jobs to do yeah. and and then it looks better and I can then look at it and go actually I could tick this off yes. quite quickly I, I yeah. love I love crossing things off a list yeah. I have to say and I have been crossing off and when I look back over the week and I think actually I have achieved quite a bit but but for some reason it's it's been a slog and I think that's really yeah. hard I think and your days don't flow and that's, yeah, the, that's the big problem you have a whole list of things and you I sometimes think oh if I was in an office I would actually sit at this and get it done all in yeah. one day and be productive but yes. being working from home or in the studio and you get interrupted all the time and that's right you didn't get time to finish anything yeah so I understand you've had a muddled wig yeah yeah it's it's uh, I mean we shouldn't complain we're very lucky to do what we do yeah you know yeah and I think but uh, yeah and I was listening to um another podcast and somebody was describing how much they did every week and how many dresses they produced (gasps) oh oh please don't (laughs) 
it's not. <laughs> but I have been doing something really fun, actually, Caroline. Oh, really? Yeah, I have. So we have, uh, so our British listeners will know this, that the Great British Sewing Bee is on. And um, one of their challenges in every episode is the pattern challenge. So yes, I have been on the morning after, well, it's, it's slipped this week to later in the day, but <laughs> that was just procrastination. <laughs> <laughs> they were beautiful though. But yeah, so I have been doing the pattern challenge. So I've been watching the episode and thinking, okay, in the morning, that's it. I'm going to do that pattern challenge. And I post it all on my Instagram story. And I try to work through, you know, um, with little pictures of, of how I go about it. And, I, you know, I've really, really enjoyed that. And it's Good. been... Yeah, it's been fun because I've actually made some stuff for myself for once, which is really good. And you're also sewing, having, I know your feed very well, it was, it, you're sewing stuff you wouldn't normally sew. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, you know, we have made hats once before, yes. but you had to go back and revisit it. And, yeah. you know, and yeah. we wouldn't normally sew a baby no. romper. No, yeah. no, we wouldn't. And and actually, do you know what? I felt really bad because I've had a little new niece, a great niece, nah. my first great niece, first yeah, great niece nephew. So she's the first one, and um, and I have been thinking I wanted to make her something. So she was born in February, and of course, you know, when I when I had lots of I don't know, I don't know, life changes, doesn't it? But yeah. When I didn't have all the things going on that I do now, I would have done that at home in the evening, but. I don't know about you, Caroline, but we sew all, well, we, we're in the sewing industry, so we don't sew when we go home. We do no. something different. We don't actually choose to spend the evening sewing, but I would have done when I was working. I would yeah. have gone home and when I... I tend to sorry, crash and burn. I was working. I, work, yeah. I am working. But. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I go home and crash and burn. Yeah, and as for the uh, pattern challenge of the Great British Sewing Bee, the paper bag trousers, I never, ever dreamt with my hips that I'd put paper bag trousers on. Like I know, because, I, I mean, like you, I, I had to write an article about that, and I was like, and I put in the article, I am extremely pear-shaped, and I would never, ever no, have put these not. on, but actually... They look all right and they're super comfy. So do you know what? I'm going to wear them. Good for you. I'm going to too. <laughs> I think it's funny, isn't it? It's body image. I mean, yeah. you're very, you're slim and, but you still say you have a pear shape and oh, I'm very, I'm busty with a pear shape and you're curvy, Ali. Curvy, You've got the curvy. perfect hourglass figure. Well, I don't know. Perfect. A, a large hourglass. <laughs> But do you know what? It's it's still, isn't it funny how body image has a, yeah, a bearing has on what you really think you should try and wear. Mm -hmm. So pushing yourself and going out of your comfort zone is sometimes a good thing, actually. So, yeah, so it's been fun, this this pattern challenge. So good. Yeah. Yes, Let's see what they have next week. Hey? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just, it is interesting. Um, and I, I'm really enjoying the same bee, I have to say. Yeah, I am too. I think the contestants are brilliant. I think, yeah. you know, they are, they're all novice sewers and they are doing so well. And we know that to do something well in a classroom um, or as a novice sewer at home, you would take twice, three times as long as they're taking to make stuff sometimes four times as long so they are yeah. really really doing very uh, well. I mean those max in five hours yeah I know yeah that's mm. pretty much unachievable I mean it they is, did incredibly I mean, well I would I wouldn't be giving myself five hours I'd be giving no. myself far far longer to do them yeah properly and and yeah. well and 
yeah so it's been a great great contest this year I'm not looking forward to the pattern challenge where they either bring in um swimwear or bras that'll be a fun one it's gonna come Ali <laughs> no, I swimwear is gonna be in it at some point because yeah. they haven't done it have they they no. they've done um corsets and underwear before yes they have yes I think yeah. they did do swimwear once a few years ago was it trunks I don't know I can't remember I can't it's remember been for a long time so anyway hopefully <laughs> I mean they've had the extra challenge where they haven't really been able to go into a shop and choose their fabrics to practice at home That's with true you're absolutely right they yeah. haven't no I mean the lockdowns caused a lot of things so mm. but it's nice we've come down and or we've come out of lockdown and we are able to welcome people back into our classrooms which is nice yeah. anyway yeah. fingers crossed it stays that way yeah. yeah but interestingly you're absolutely right talking about the fabrics isn't it um that's going to be a good introduction to our guest but actually being able to go into shops and browse fabrics and feel the drape and the handle and everything is really important and oh I think um, so and to buy online I love certain online fabric um people and I do buy online but I never ever buy without buying a sample first I mm. always buy a sample I, I come at a different point of view so I like you like to go in and feel and I think when I put my online kits together mm. I've done all that so I yes, you know have, you have, yes, that yes. I have given the best possible fabric for that kit That's so right. hopefully I take a bit of the worry out of people that do buy the kits online oh, that I've taken time to Yes, um, yes research the right fabrics for it yeah no absolutely and that's yeah. why kits are a great idea because you've had you have a professional person putting them together yeah in the background yeah. so you know you're getting what you need and actually I um, mean our next guest we talk about it because obviously I, I haven't been able to go to trade shows so no. I have been buying fabric online and it yes. is quite scary and daunting and yes. you do sometimes wonder what you're gonna it is. Uh, what's gonna come through the door <laughs> So what have you been doing this week? Um, I have um, no sewing, unfortunately, um, but I'm hoping that actually next week I will be able to sew. This show, the studio, sorry, the studio is nearly there. And I think once that's done, Good. hopefully I'll be able to actually sit down and sew something for me to what Ali, I am desperate, desperate, desperate for some PJ shorts. So I am going to okay. gonna have to do to do some of those <laughs> well you did some beautiful um you did your beautiful pj kit yes so yeah, I um it. i need to just yeah i feel guilty at the moment carving out a little bit of time for me know, but um yes, but yeah so obviously up at the allotment every day checking on the naughty chickens yes and um and bits and pieces so it's been Good. a positive week this week so first face-to-face -face appointment since well i think it's probably nearly 18 months now wow. so that's and how did you find traveling up well, to in your London. appointment in London? Yes. <laughs> Tell us. I, 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 it was quite exciting to be going back up to London. So previous to COVID, I'd go up nearly every month for a hospital appointment. Yes. Um, and I always combine it with fabric shopping. As Ali knows, I never buy anything, but I do the ones that are in central London yes. quite regularly. I love it. I go in there and just spend a happy time. So, um, it was a pre-booked train seat, so that was fine. And then I, I did check the weather forecast and there's supposed to be no rain. And as I got out of the train, the heavens opened. Now, um, 
those that know me well know I'm on crutches permanently. Um, so can't hold an umbrella and didn't take a coat with a hood because it, BBC weather forecast said no rain. So um, so I was like, hmm. So I'd planned to walk to my hospital appointment because of COVID. So I had to go on the underground. Mm. Now I have got my mask on. Uh, but I was quite surprised at how busy the underground was considering the time of day. And my carriage was full. Mm-hmm. There were three people in my carriage for whatever reasons, didn't have a mask on. So I had to go three stops. So I held my breath. <laughs> Caroline, you must have been blue. <laughs> I don't think I was blue, I think I was red. And uh, every time the doors opened when we came to stop, I went, <gasps> and then took another breath in, which probably did more damage than good. But psychologically in my mind, I've got this, still got this fear of, covid because i am vulnerable and everything else ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but what must have been hysterical was when you hold your breath you pull your mask into your face (laughs) (laughs) so i had this mask that was stuck to my face and my glasses were steamed and um i just must they must have thought oh look at that special person in the corner stuff I was like and and yeah and try to casually regroup myself (laughs) and carry it on as though nothing out of the ordinary was happening oh bless you (laughs) but yeah so I um I went to John Lewis on Oxford Street quickly went and looked at their haberdashery um department and had a had my quick fill and then went on to hospital but uh yes so I mean it's amazing the things we do at the moment isn't it I mean how ridiculous to hold your breath for three stops (laughs) just because your carriage was full and someone for their own reasons couldn't wear a mask I know but yeah I was just like there was no what did surprise me was no one had left every other seat free everybody was sat next to each other and that really did astound me I went and stood in the corner as I say looking like a lemon but I you know what (laughs) oh do you know what it'd be fine (laughs) if I go down with COVID it didn't work (laughs) (laughs) not gonna happen (laughs) and not bless you to London and see this person on crutches in the corner with a face mask stuck to her face you know why We, we need to touch on our guest. So Caroline, do you want to introduce him? I will. We are really happy to be interviewing Damien today. Damien is a textile agent and I'm sure we've all heard of textile agents, but in reality, we probably know very little about the link between large wholesalers and us as the consumer, both trade and eventually the retail customer. Welcome, Damien. How are you? I'm oh, very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm good too. Damien, that is, that's brilliant. How does being an agent for fabric sales work? Because uh, we know you are the middleman between the manufacturer and the retailer, but um, can you give us a little more insight into what you actually do? Yeah, so so being an agent is, is very similar to the good old fashioned sales representative, really. Um, as an agent, I'm freelance, so I work for several different companies. Um, it's a commission-based role, so there is no salary. So basically, it's a, it's a very small business um, that I run myself. 
I work for, I think, six different companies at the moment that I have on my books. And I travel the length and breadth of, of England, really, from, uh, from Newcastle all the way down to Portsmouth and pretty much everywhere in between. Fabulous. So how do you decide which manufacturers and designers you want to work with? So really that kind of evolved as, as the role sort of grew. Um, I started off with one company. Um, I've been, I've been in, the, in the industry for 12 years now. Um, and I was a rep for two different companies. Unfortunately, both of those companies um, fell by the wayside and I was made redundant. So I decided rather than have that happen again and, you know, potentially risk losing a wage, I, uh, I decided to go freelance. So I started off with one company, um, who were the Craft Cotton Company, which is uh, quite a well-known name out there. Yeah. Um, and they cover all bases, to be honest. They're a fantastic company to work with. Um, supplying all manner of different fabrics and really the the my um, stable as it were um, evolved around them so I've now got companies that can supply traditional dress fabrics I do furnishing fabrics um, PVCs and tableware things like that American quilting cottons and Canadian quilting brands so really the <laughs> to answer the question how do I choose the suppliers is really where they can jigsaw in with the people that I'm already working with um, you can have too much of a good thing. You know, I could take yeah. three or four dress fabric supplies tomorrow, for example. However, that's only going to take away from what I've already got. And it's yeah. finding a happy medium for everybody. Oh, yeah. So, so what drove you towards fabric sales in particular? <laughs> um, a failed business, to be honest. Um, I fell into this trade. Um, I've been in sales for pretty much all of my uh, all of my working career. Um, I had a break about 13 years ago and decided to go into retail myself. I had a little clothing shop. Um, unfortunately, it was a massive disaster. Um, wow. I had my fingers burnt financially and mentally. Um, and at the time, I put my CV online. I decided this isn't for me. I needed to get out. I put my CV online and a headhunter up in Manchester actually found my CV and approached me. Um, so uh, yeah I got a phone call out of the blue would you like to come up for an interview in Manchester so off I, off I went didn't yeah. even know there was such a thing as somebody out there selling fabric you know it wasn't <laughs> uh, I'll, be, I'll be completely honest it wasn't my lifelong dream to do this <laughs> but but that said I don't want to do anything else with my life um, this, oh. is, this is my calling um, it's funny how these things happen um, yeah. here I am 12 years later and I, I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing yeah, isn't it funny? Because uh, they say there's no such thing as failure. It's just research. That's right. Absolutely. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, it's funny um, because the chap that I worked for at the time um, is now a good family friend. And one of the reasons he, he sort of selected my CV out of the others was because I'd had the clothing shop. So even yeah. though it was deemed to be a failure, I suppose, at the time, yeah. if I hadn't have had that, I wouldn't have had the door open to this trade. And you know, I've never looked back since, really. So oh, fantastic! Oh, that's <laughs> so. Have you found it quite difficult? Have you had to adapt quite a lot over this last year to keep up momentum with your clients? I have, yes, uh, rather rapidly. Um, yeah. yeah, traditionally, I would be out on the road Monday to Friday. Um, for want of a better word, I'm a travelling salesman. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, all of a sudden, the, my my main stream of income going to see customers was was taken away. Um, so I had to adapt pretty quickly and um, fortunately we live in an age where we've got things like this, Zoom calls, social mm -hmm. media, mobile phones. Um, so yeah, I just tried to keep in touch with as many people as I could 
as, as quickly as I could, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, social media is first and foremost my, my main way of staying in touch with everybody at the moment. And that seems to be working very well. Brilliant. So, again, it's, it's, it's actually something, even though we're now in the process of going back, I've started this week visiting customers again, the social media aspect of it won't go away now. I think that's going to sit side by side with, uh, with visiting customers in the flesh. So Great. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. When you see a new range of fabrics, uh, do you wonder immediately or do, can you tell immediately what is going to be the bestseller or can you spot that one that is you're just like oh no why why is they included it <laughs> beauty is in the eye of the beholder um, uh, joking aside um i can I, I get passionate about what i do i can see new ranges come through and i can usually say yeah that's a winner that one's going to struggle um or alternatively you can look at look at a fabric and think that's for that particular customer this customer will much prefer this part of the range yeah. um, so really it's it's a case of matching the customer with the correct fabric so you know um one one doesn't fit all <laughs> no that's a good <laughs> thing isn't it that's a good it's thing a, yeah it's a good thing I and mean, it's lovely to know that you get excited about new ranges just as much as we do yeah i do yeah um you know i'm, I'm passionate about what i do and, and i hope that you know, as, yeah. as customers, I hope that um, transfers you. You can see that. You know, I'm not just trying to sell you something. If, if I like a design, I, you know, I really push it. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't always get it right. There's there's cases where I've, <laughs> I've had egg on my face. Um, you know, yeah. so I think that happens with, with every walk of life. Yeah. Really. Oh, I think I think we all do that, don't we? We all have those moan moments of like madness. <laughs> yeah oh but no it's, it makes it varied and makes it more exciting too it does it does you know i mean i've I, li I like to think that my customers trust me and if you ask me honestly damien how is this sold for you i can yeah. tell you how it's sold for me and yes. i'm not i'm not going to try and sell something that's, that's no. a disaster for me onto you to to move it on because yeah. you know, that's that's the end of the relationship isn't it absolutely absolutely and talking about customer relationships so i when i was a fashion buyer in retail we often had, well, we called them traveling salesmen then because that was going back a few years. But yeah, we often had agents like yourselves visit the shop and um, and sometimes they come along with, with really obscure things. Um, and, and we had a couple of salesmen who would, they'd regularly come in and they'd show us their beautiful garments and we'd make the orders and we'd be like, oh, this is exciting. And then he'd go, oh, well, you know, can I just go out to my car and grab X, Y, Z? And we had everything. <laughs> We had like really expensive freshwater pearls that really, really? I was never going to be able to sell. And, uh, <laughs> and then we had odd walking sticks and things like that. Um, do you just deal in fabrics or do you have a, a range of strange things that you bring out as well? <laughs> to be honest, no. Um, it, 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 really fabric. Although ironically, when I was actually working um, as an employee for companies, I was regularly approached by companies saying, oh, do you want to sell this out of your booth? Yeah. And I never did do that. I felt that that was unethical as I was yeah. being paid a wage. Ironically, now I work for myself, I never get the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say no, I'd never say never, but um, yeah, at the moment yeah. it's, it's predominantly fabric. Absolutely well done. <laughs> <laughs> we touched on it before, um, but I do know myself how productive you are with your social media and your emails. Let me know what's coming in and what's about to be released. In normal times, do you find selling face to face is better 
than the internet driven sales do you obviously you build up with a better relationship I would have thought yes yeah I, I, I'll be honest I don't think there's any substitute for actually face-to-face contact um you know you you tend to find out so much more about a customer and it's not just about what the customer wants to buy you know I've got customers now that I consider friends they came to my wedding you know um, we've seen our children grow up together mm-hmm. and you know you, you are you, you're building long-term relationships this isn't a, a one-hit sale you know we are we're here and hopefully you know I've got a touch wood a long career in front of me and you know I want to be sort of walking alongside my customers with that um and I think yeah when you when you're in a shop you can see areas that maybe you're you're missing on some linens for example and I think oh this would sit quite nicely with what you're doing from another supplier yeah Um, you know it gives me an opportunity to see what the market's doing as well um you know working from home as fantastic as it has been throughout lockdown all I can see I'm, I'm quite tunnel visioned I can only see what I'm doing Whereas when I'm in a shop, you know, you get chatting to people and they'll show me a fabric from another supplier and say, oh, this has been really good. And it will prompt me to think, well, that's similar to such and such's range. So have a look at this. And things yeah. Like that. So, yeah, yeah. You, you feed off body language. You do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, you just, again, just touched on something that uh, Ali and I find quite important. And that is the community that there is in the uh, sewing world. Um, And, you know, you're saying you've built friendships through your customers um, and we find that with those that come to our classes or, um, you know, buy the odd bit and pieces from us. Um, And I think that's important. I think sewing is about community, although you often do it on your own. It's lovely to have that place to go to that you can chat to others about and you providing that fabric is an important process in that really yeah yeah it's 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 nice to know that there's a rapport between you and your retailers that they you know probably then transpond to their customers as well and it's it's a really important thing isn't it it is it is I mean while you know I've I've been in the trade 12 years now I think I mentioned earlier I've been through two redundancies unfortunately um and the community you know the amount of phone calls that I had from customers some that I haven't spoken to for years um competitors even were getting my number off of customers ringing me up and just wishing me well saying if we can do anything to help and it really made me feel that this was where I need to be with my life um Mm. I'm I'm in the right spot it wasn't the right time you know there was um ups and downs as as his life um but yeah the you know when when the chips were down all of my customers were there and it, it was fantastic Lovely. So you said that you're you're away from home quite a bit in normal reality, real times. <laughs> that makes sense. Do you how you know? And you said you you uh, sell from the whole of the length and breadth of uh, of England. Do you find that you are on the road nine every you know every week or? Uh, yes, yes. Um, usually I'm out Monday to Friday um, yeah. with possibly two, maybe three overnight stays as well, which can be difficult. You know, I've got a young family. Um, I've got three children. One of them's left home, but we've got two little ones. It's it's the price I pay to do the job that I love. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, fabric shops are so few and far between. If I just concentrated on Lincolnshire, where I live, I couldn't make a living. So. I was just about to ask you, you know, obviously you've been doing this for 12 years. Have you seen a growth in smaller independence springing up again? And I just wondered if you'd noticed that there were more about than there were 12 years ago. Absolutely. I've seen a, a real sort of ground change in the industry. Um, yeah. Now, when I first started, it tended to be the consumers in the shops tended to be 
older ladies, if I'm honest, um, yes. with, with a make do and mend mentality. Yes. Without sounding derogatory, possibly shopping at a jumble sale. So they wanted cheap polycotton, pound a metre, because that's what they were comparing with. Now, the, the shopkeepers that are opening up are younger, um, you know, spending more on a piece of fabric that would be comparable with a, a designer brand, for example. Yes. Isn't, isn't a big shock to them, you know. So the, the quality of what we as a market are offering is much, much improved over the last 12 years. Um, mm. And I think that's more consumer driven. There's a much younger audience sewing now, which is fantastic to see. Um, you know, and that's going to carry us forward as, a, as an industry for 20 years. Yeah, I think it will. And I think that sustainability as well. I think people are seeing, they're putting value into what they're making and they're making it from a quality product to begin with. If you can use quality ingredients, you're going to have a better product at the end of it. And, and I, I'm sure that's the way it will go. And, and, you know, I've noticed over the time that I've been teaching um, people are prepared to spend a little bit more on fabric now, which is good. And they're sourcing better quality all the time. It's pleasing for me because I, I think that if you buy well, you get a better result at the end of it. Something that That's people are going to value. Right. Yeah. 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 I think sewing nowadays isn't necessarily just to save money. Um, no. Which at point in time, that was the reason you, you would sew from home to save money. The high street is so cheap. If you want cheap, you can go to Primark. You could never sew it cheaper. It's so, a square word in our house. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we, we're targeting an audience that, 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 not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with Primark, but if you want a quality garment that's well-constructed, yes. it's going to last you years and years, and you're going to stand out from the crowd, you know, sewing yourself is definitely the way forward. Definitely, definitely. So are you a textile agent for any overseas companies or um, or do any overseas uh, countries or shops buy British fabric from you? <laughs> and um, how? So through one of, my, one of my agencies, they distribute for seven or eight different American and Canadian quilting brands. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so some of the leading lights in the quilting market, um, I, I have access to their fabrics. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's quite interesting to see how the different tastes transfer into the English market because what may be a, a popular collection in America isn't necessarily the same this side of the water. Very different. different. Isn't it? Very different. And I yeah. think that you know the American market is is very um yeah there's there's a very big difference. <laughs> yeah we it's see a huge that. difference. Yeah. So for us in the UK there's one big trade fair a year um for retailers to attend to buy from could you describe what it's like to work at a trade fair of that size and scale I mean it's huge it's it really is it's um I think the only way I can describe it is electric there's a buzz when you walk into the into the room and there's a hustle and a bustle and you know you're seeing old faces that you haven't seen for a year so everybody's happy to be there um me as an agent i'm flitting between two or three different stands which just adds an extra little bit of excitement to it you know you're sort of running about here there and everywhere and it is it's, it's really exciting um you see people there they're planning their year which is fantastic to see yeah uh, so yeah it's, it's an event i really really do do look forward to and i've missed it this year to be honest could you describe your working day so Obviously, it's a long day for you. Yes, oh, crikey. Um, so we would be on stand from 9am, usually. Every 10 minutes, it's changing. You know, you might be dealing with a department store one moment, a market retailer the next, um, old family friends, you know, customers that you've dealt with for 10 years. 
then it might be a, a, a newcomer that's never been in a trade before and you, you, you're holding their hand and explaining what we do. So yeah, every conversation is different. It's, it really is um, electrifying really. And then to add in the fact that I'm doing that for several different companies all at the same time in the same building, it can be, um, be a bit of a whirlwind. Exhausting. I yeah. you need a holiday once you've finished. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ironic. We usually sit and have a drink afterwards. We Obviously it's a two or three day show. So we're yeah. still over in hotels. And yeah. In the evening, you can see in the bars, we're all sat there with a beer. Yeah. And even though we're exhausted, you're still on a high. Like, so you, yeah. you need a couple of hours to come back down to earth, really. And then, uh, yes, yeah, starts again the next day. We, Ali and I obviously been to it several times and, and we book a hotel. So yeah. we do it two yeah. days. Yeah. So on the first day we go and we take photos and we arrange the appointments for the following day. Yeah. And then the next day we go and we, and we buy. Um, but we saw people in the hotel and actually it was interesting because we met up with other retailers so mm. obviously we know that all the agents are there but it gives us an opportunity to meet up with people that we've built a community with mm. um over the years as well um I, I think and they've got obviously educational talks and everything else i think it is it's very important to the sewing industry to keep it alive definitely yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I like to point out actually as well, um, it's interesting. I should imagine that if you, as a home sewer, somebody that sews at home, when they go to a retail store, most of them are female led. But when you go to the shows, most of the, uh, the salespeople, yeah. um, I know this is being genre specific, but there's a lot of gentlemen involved. There's a lot of gentlemen involved. I'd say it was gentleman heavy on, on yeah. in your area. It is. It is. Yes. There are there are more ladies um, on the road nowadays than, yeah. than there ever was. Um, but I think the role of a travelling salesman or salesperson, yes. I say, has always been top heavy with with chaps. Um, yeah. And that's quite possibly because you know you're away from the family. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it does tend to be a, a male-centered world, which is quite surprising, as you say, because we're not necessarily sewers. Yeah. No. But but then I come from a tailoring background, and most of the tailors are gentlemen. Yeah. 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 It's, it's it is changing. The women are yeah. coming coming yes. through, um, but predominantly still it, it's it's male-based. It is. Yeah. Um, so. With this past year of everything that's gone on, do you think it's changed people's perception of sewing and the sewing industry? I do. I think it's it's given the trade a shot in the arm, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we as a trade are going to come out of this with so many more end users because one thing it has given a lot of people is time to experiment and time to actually get back to doing things they love. We all live in a very, very busy world. We're rushing about here, there and everywhere. You know, we're always against the clock. And actually what this has done is given us a chance to stop and reflect and, and spend a bit of time on ourselves. I've seen, again, over the last 10 years, 12 years or so, I think once upon a time you would go to work with your hands and you'd come home and you'd sit and watch a box in the corner, wouldn't you? Whereas nowadays, most of us are doing this. We're going to work and we're looking at screens and we're sat they're you know goggle eyed all day and I think actually people want to come home and use their hands and I think sewing is a, a fantastic way of, of releasing yeah. that really so. yeah it is it is I'd like to just point out here I go home and sit in front of that box in the corner of the tea, in the corner of the room oh sometimes sometimes I do <laughs> doesn't matter what it is 
So Damien, I know our listeners can't see you, but I can. And I'm looking behind you and you're sat uh, on the back of your chair as a quilt. So I'd like to know, we're intrigued. Do you or anybody in your family sew? Do you to bring home the goodies for them? <laughs> well, ironically, back to our previous conversation there, my wife, um, my wife started sewing in lockdown. Um, Brilliant. The same as many, many people. She yeah. didn't have time. We've got three kids. She yeah. her own business as well. Um, you know, she, she's always had an eye for it, but never really had the time to do it. She started with face masks, then it moved on to dolls, clothes for the girls, and she's making oh. garments. She's on quilts. She's doing Brilliant. All so, wow. yeah, it's a prime example of what's happened to her. She's a lucky lady. What <laughs> <A lot, a> <laughs> samples. So, it sounds like you are very busy with work and family, but if you could have a day doing anything you like, what would it be? I think at the moment a walk around the golf course would be marvellous. <laughs> Oh, Damien, it's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you. Um, and thank you for allowing us to interview you too. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a glimpse of the textile agent and how your fabrics get from A to B. You know, it's another stage, isn't it? So, yeah, thank you. That's brilliant. Yeah, my pleasure. Oh, gosh, Damien was great, Caroline. I mean, the world of a textile agent must be so exciting I'm quite jealous I'd love to be surrounded by fabrics all day every day and passing them on and seeing what's new coming in and, and I know and to, be, to be surrounded by constant colour as well oh, yeah. um, his, uh, the fabrics that Damien works with are beautiful I'm very lucky I often buy the Peter Horton fabrics off him so yes. all my cotton lawns and viscose and bits and pieces so they are beautiful yeah. and actually just to be um going from business to business must be quite exciting because yeah. we're all so different I know we do the same thing but we're all different characters and yes yeah, mm. so I think he gets a great mm. insight into what it takes to run a sewing business so who's going to be our next guest guest Caroline on the podcast so our next guest is Mark from Patency. now some of you may have heard of Patency. Patency is a company that prints out your PDF patterns onto uh, special paper uh, oh. to save you sticking all the A4 pieces together. So if you send him an A0 file, he then puts that onto a very large sheet of paper for you, ready for you to cut out. Um, so another interesting gentleman who sees the sewing world from a different perspective. Yeah, very much. I mean, if you're if you've never used a downloadable file, a downloadable pattern rather before, then what happens is they come as um, PDFs and they are generally A4 or A0 and the A4 you can print at home. But I've been caught out and had to print out loads and loads of yeah. pieces of paper in the past and spent more time sticking those together than making the actual garments so that'll be I know, very and, interesting and if you don't get it lined up right your your pattern's off by a quarter of an inch um so yes so mark's company is really uh quite important now because mm -hmm. a lot of the pattern houses are going to um pdfs especially mm -hmm. while they're at the moment they're regrading their pattern sizes to um include a fuller size range Yes. So at the moment, before they print them off, they're, they're all going to PDF. Um, so and uh, Mark prints for all over the world. So it actually has some big pattern companies that use him to print their regular patterns Amazing. anyway. 
amazing yeah. amazing so I'm going to look forward to hearing from him so if you have enjoyed our podcast and you would like to hear more please do subscribe you can find more details about us and our links to the show at www.soabfabpodcast.podbean.com and there you will find our website links and social media feeds keep in touch and in the meantime everybody have a great week and happy sewing happy, happy sewing. sewing bye bye, bye. <laughs>